The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Hey, Merry Christmas, y'all. Good to see you guys. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you grab them and open them up to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1? We're going to be in Matthew 1 tonight. There are hardback black Bibles under every chair. Matthew 1 is on page 807 in those Bibles. You can open a phone or a tablet, uh, but something we do every Sunday here, and I guess Saturday as well, is we open the Bible and look at what God's Word has to say. So Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to spend our time. Uh, I, I am thankful that you would spend some of your Christmas Eve with, with, with us, and I just want to address the kids for a second. So kids, if you're in here, give me some eyes for a second. Quiet, Coyote. Eyes on me. One, two, three. We'll do a clapping thing later, okay? But um, hey, I, I'm so glad that you guys get to spend Christmas Eve with us in church, in big church today, and here's how I know you can handle this. I timed my message, and it's as long as one of your TV shows. <laughs> That's how I know. That's how I know. Unless you watch Bluey and then it's three Blueys, okay? So we got three Blueys or one regular show. And then here's what we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to talk for just a little bit. I'm going to talk for a little bit. We're going to sing a little bit more. And then we're all going to light stuff on fire. (laughs) Merry Christmas, okay? All right. So here's what what I want to start with, okay? Many of you, many of you I know, okay, many of you I know and I know pretty well, uh, but on a Christmas Eve, there are many of you that I don't know, and that's, that's kind of the nature of Christmas at church, and so we get that. Uh, so if you don't know me or I don't know you, let me give you a little bit about me. Let me just tell you a little bit about me, okay? Uh, I did not grow up going to church. I didn't really go to church uh, as a kid. I went to church on Christmas Eve. That's the only time that I would go to church with my family when I was a child. And so for me, Jesus as a concept, as a person was, was tied to my nostalgic engagement with Christmas Eve as a child. I just want you to know that. Okay. For me growing up, Jesus was right there with Charlie Brown buying that janky little tree. Like that's what that's Jesus fit in that category in my brain. Okay. Jesus was in the same category for, for me and my family as Santa was. He's just in the same category. Jesus was actually in the same category as going to the mall to buy presents for people was. So um, if you're younger in here, let me just tell you something. Uh, Back in the 1900s, there was this place, there was this place called the mall, okay? It was a magical place of wonder, okay? And, And the mall, do you remember, how many people remember the mall? I know they exist, but they're largely vacant these days, right? Well, in these magical places called malls, this was where people would go to buy one another gifts. Like when, how many people remember when people gave real gifts for Christmas? Like real things you would go, and this was before the days where you would just ask for Amazon links from somebody so you could just click and two days ship that thing and you're good, okay? This was before you could give the least personalized gift in the history of the planet, uh, the gift card. Right? Remember before gift cards, when you had to think about what you were going to get for people? I mean, it's crazy, okay? Uh, could less thought be put into a Starbucks gift card, right? I'm just saying, like, put a little thought into your Christmas gifts. But, but, but in high school, for me, things started to change. See, Jesus was wrapped up in nostalgia and Christmas and trees and Santa and all of that. And then in high school, 
things started changing. See, a friend invited me to go to his church with him, and I went to this youth group. And just so you know, by nature, I'm a bit of a skeptic. Like, by nature, uh, I had questions about things that pertaining to Jesus, pertaining to faith. I had questions about God. I had questions about Jesus. I had questions about why, even as a 16-year-old, my life felt really hard. And I had questions about this 2,000-year-old Jewish rabbi as to how he could possibly have any sort of impact or meaning in my life. But, but a friend invited me to this youth group. I started hanging out with church people and Christians. And over the course of the next couple years of my life, Jesus began to work his way in. It wasn't like an overnight thing. It was like he began to work his way into my life. And the questions that I had, which I think are legit questions, I, I began to find that there were actually some decent answers to the, some of those questions. Some of them are still shrouded in mystery, but there was a lot of good answers and who I thought Jesus was began to change. So I bring that up so that you know, if maybe you're newer to church, like I'm still kind of newer to this thing at a certain level. This is still in my mind, Christmas goes to nostalgia before it even goes to Jesus Christ, the son of God come to take away the sins of the world. And I have to fight against that. So what I wanna do for our short time together tonight is I want to look at Matthew chapter one, and I only want to look at two verses, and these two verses kind of launch us into a discussion about who Jesus Christ is. So here we go, Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 22. Matthew 1, 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So just those two verses is what we're going to tackle tonight. And this Christmas, we've done a short kind of three-week sermon series on those last three words, on God with us. So two weeks ago, we talked about God, and the point of two weeks ago's sermon was Christ's divinity. We talked about the doctrine of Christ's divinity. So here's what Christians believe about this. Jesus is divine. We believe that Jesus is divine, that he, in fact, is God. Okay, Jesus is not just a prophet. Okay, he's not just a good moral teacher. He is actually divine. He is the second person of what we would call the Trinity, the triune Godhead. He's the second person of the Trinity, co-eternal with the Father, creator and sustainer of all things. He has always been and will always be. This is Jesus' divinity, his divinity. But then last week, we looked at the word us, God with us, and we talked about Christ's humanity. So beyond his divinity, we believe that not only was Jesus divine, he was also human. He put on flesh. He put on one of these, a human body. He was born like a human, like us. He, he grew up like us. He had a body like us. He had a mind like us. He felt emotions like us. He felt all the feels that you and I feel. And eventually, Jesus died. He succumbed to death. His body ceased to function just like each and every one of us will one day die. Merry Christmas. 
But tonight, now that we're past God and we're past us, we're talking about the word with. God with us. And we're looking at a doctrine called Christ's incarnation. The incarnation of Christ. Now the word incarnation literally means the act of being made flesh. That's what the word incarnation means, okay? And the incarnation is where these other two doctrines, the divine part of Jesus, his divinity, and the human part of Jesus, his humanity, where these two things collide is the incarnation. It's when God the Son actually put on flesh, when he became human. I read one author that said he remained what he was, divine, and he became what he was not, human. That's the incarnation. He remained what he was, a God, divine, and he put on flesh. He became what he was not, a human. So, so just to get our cards on the table, that's what Christians believe. That's what we believe. Christians believe that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And you can't be fully two things. And that's why the great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard called this the great paradox, that God is both fully or Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And the reason why these three doctrines, why we're covering them at Christmas time, why they are so vital to our faith is because our interpretation of who the son Jesus is will drastically affect how we think about God. It'll actually inform how we think about God. And A.W. Tozer has this famous quote. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So tonight, my question is, when you think about God, when you think about Jesus, what comes to mind? Like, what do you think about him? Because, because you can't follow him rightly if you don't think about him rightly. You can't know him if you don't have a good mind around who he is. And honestly, growing up, I just thought about God, I would say today, incorrectly. I thought about him incorrectly. See, if I'm honest, for, for, for the longest time, I thought that God was primarily wanting something from us. Like the premise I thought about God was that he wanted stuff from me. That's what God was all about, that he wants something from us. So I kind of thought about God like a lot of people do, kind of like grandpa God, have you thought about God like this? Maybe at some point in your life, like grandpa God, right? He's the man upstairs, right? We call him that. He's the man upstairs. He's like super old, like forever old, right? Okay. And he's totally out of touch with our world. Like grandpa God, he can't get on the internet, right? He has a hard time with that. He's, you say open the window, he opens the window. You know what I'm saying? Like that's grandpa God. He's not so sure about our TV shows and he hates our music. He hates kids playing in his yard, Right, he dresses weird, he smells strange. Like that's, that's grandpa God. But then I would picture him like every Sunday, I would picture grandpa God and he would just like turn up his miracle ears. See what I did there? Just turn up his miracle ears, okay? And then he'd just like jazzy scooter over to the edge of heaven and he'd like listen to his people sing from churches to him. And that's how I pictured him. That's how I pictured God for, for the longest time, Okay. And I pictured him as out of touch. This God is out of touch. He's out of date. And he just wants us to do what he says. 
And that's how I thought of him. That's how I thought of him. He wants from us. He just wants you to be good. He just wants you to go to church. He just wants your money. He just wants you to feed the hungry, right? Like that's what I thought. That's how I pictured God. He wants from us. But then, like I said, in high school, I started getting a little more interested in God. Like I started getting more interested. I started showing some interest, but my thought on God changed and it pivoted, but I still think it pivoted incorrectly because what I thought at that point was that God was primarily about doing stuff for us. He moved from being the guy who was there to get stuff from us to actually being the guy who is like a divine genie, like a divine cash machine, just like handing out cash and prizes to those who follow him. Like Jesus came primarily to do something for me, right? To make my life good, to make me happy, to give me my best life now, right? To give me whatever was in my heart, And so listen, if I'm honest, and I know this is church, it's no place to be honest, but if I'm honest about that version of God, it was all about what Jesus could do for me. It's what I could get out of the deal. It was a very, it was actually a very self-serving position to put myself in. I was like, Jesus, what can you do for me? Because as a high schooler, my, my parents' marriage was in trouble. On a, on a path to divorce. And I listen, I wanted him to fix that. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. My dad wanted me to go into the military. I had dreadlocks down to the middle of my back. Just so you know, okay? I needed, I needed guidance and I wanted God to do that. I wanted to meet the right girl. I wanted to feel like internally, I wanted to feel that I was like a morally decent person. I wanted, to, I wanted my life to kind of get put into shape. And so I thought, hey, Jesus came to do some good stuff for people. Maybe he can do some of that for me. I'll try Jesus. And see, my, my, my interpretation was not that he wanted stuff from me, but that he was just there to do stuff for me. And this is a very common version of Jesus that people believe. And now hear me, both of those versions of Jesus are partially true. Okay, he does want something from you. He does want something from us. He, he actually challenges his people to grow, to change, to mature. So he does want stuff from us and God does want things for us. He actually wants to do things for you. He wants your life to be better. I can point to plenty of passages in the scripture that would say both of those things are true, but the doctrine of Christ's incarnation tells us that neither of those things are primary. Ultimately, primarily God is all about not being for us or, fr- uh, or getting things from us, but is about being with us, God with us. And so this is the theme of tonight's message. This is the theme of Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23. And I would posit that this is a theme that runs all through the pages of the entirety of Scripture. So what we're gonna do for the last few minutes that we have together tonight is we're going to go through the entire Bible and I'm going to survey and show you that God primarily wants to be with us. And it sounds like I'm gonna do a lot, but I'm not. It's only gonna take six minutes. I timed it, okay? Uh, So this is one bluey, all right? (laughs) 
Everybody good? One bluey. Genesis chapter 28. You don't need to turn to all these places unless you're super fast, okay? And you're not. All right, Genesis 28. I'll put these up on the screen. Genesis 28, 14, and 15. This is God's covenant with his people, Israel. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread about abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's Genesis, first book of the Bible. I will be with you. Exodus, second book of the Bible, the burning bush, Moses. Everybody knows this scene, Exodus 3. But Moses said to God, speaking from the burning bush, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So from Moses, we move to Moses' successor, his next in line, a guy named Joshua. And in Joshua 1.9, we see, we see this text. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Onto the kings from the promised land into the kingship, King David. We know King David. You might know Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. From the kings then to the prophets, okay, Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And I could go on. I mean, goodness, there are plenty of verses, but all through the scope of the Old Testament, I'm not saying God doesn't want things from you. I'm not saying God doesn't want things for you, but his primary mission is to be with his people, to be with us. But it happens in the New Testament, past Matthew chapter one as well. Mark chapter three, the other disciples, we find this. He calls his 12 and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Then Jesus predicts the coming of the Holy Spirit after his death and his resurrection. In John 14, he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then after his death and resurrection, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives his, his disciples a commission. He calls it the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the very end of the age. And then even after Jesus ascends to heaven and he's gone and we've got the Holy Spirit in the early church, Acts chapter four. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And then even in the very end, in Revelation chapter three, we find this. Jesus speaking to his church, to his bride, behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God with us. All through the Bible. 
That's what he's about. And I promised I would be done in time, and I am done in time. I want to invite the worship team to come back up here, but I want you to just see this clearly this Christmas. I wanted you to see this clearly, that all through the Bible, what is God trying to do? He's like trying to get with us here. That's the point of the Bible. He, God, the God of the universe wants to be with us, wants to be with you. And Jesus, Jesus Christ, who we celebrate in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, all that stuff, the animals and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, all of that is, is telling the story of how God got with us, how he got here. This is the good news of Christmas. This is the good news of Jesus. The good news is that the God of the entire universe is actually interested in you, in me, in us. He's interested in your dreams and your fears, your joys, your sorrows, your successes and your failures. Like the, the God of the universe is actually interested in you, God with us. And I think we have to do hard work in our minds to, to get past the version of Jesus where he's primarily out to get something from us. We have to work hard to believe that that's not what he's primarily here for us to just obey the rules. That's not what his primary motive is. And I also think we've got to get away from the version of Jesus where he is just here to do our bidding, where he's here for us. And all he's there is to just make your life good. And when life gets bad, you can shake your fist at the air and to the heavens and yell and scream and have somebody divine to blame for those things. But that's not primarily who Jesus is. That's, that's not who he is. That's not what Christmas is about. He's about being with us. And so listen, 30 years ago, I'm, I'm sitting in a church similar to this. On a Christmas Eve, just like you are tonight. And for me, I was just checking off another box of nostalgia. We baked the cookies. We'd seen the, the television programs. We'd sung the songs and, and we were ready to go home and have our dinner and go to sleep and wake up early the next morning to see what the fat guy left us. And Jesus was just another box on that list for me. And I didn't know it at that time, but I, I believe God was actually there. I think God in that moment was after me. He was wooing me. C.S. Lewis calls him the hound of heaven. He catches your scent and he hunts you down. And so I'm minding my own business, basking in the nostalgia of Christmas when he shows up. God with us. And some of you today, listen, you're here and you're, you're already a Christian. Like you already get this. Like I'm not trying to convince you of his withness. You're in, you're with him. He's with you. And I just think today at Christmas Eve, the Lord is going to encourage you and build you up and send you back out to keep walking with him and bless you tonight. But some of you might be here and listen whether it's nostalgia or that's just what you do, like church is what you do on Christmas. 
or man, somebody invited you or, or you saw the sign or you Googled a church or maybe, maybe your whole world's a mess right now. And you're just looking for something, like anything at, at Christmas time to hold onto. And so you thought you'd give church a try. For whatever reason, I don't really know that it matters. For whatever reason, you're here. And I want you to hear that the message of the entire Bible, the real message of Christmas is that God wants to be with you. God with us. And, and I just say this, I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna ask anybody to make decisions or things like that tonight. Here's what I wanna do. If that resonates with you at all tonight, I just wanna invite you back. In 2023, I want you to just come back to church. Maybe it's here, maybe it's another church. I want to invite you back. Don't wait until next Christmas. And I want you to come and we'll start tackling your questions. Like let's tackle your questions and, and your doubts and your hurts and your mess and whatever it might be that you bring to the table. Because listen, I'm still bringing those things to the table and working those things out in community. Let's get, let's get after that together in 2023. God with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, on Christmas Eve, it is good to remember who you are. It is good to remind our hearts that the narrative in your holy scriptures is not one of a domineering uh, old grandfather type who's crusty and ornery and just wants us to get in line. But God, it's also so good to remember that, that, that the God you are is not the God who's, who's just a vending machine for cash and prizes and blessings. But rather, you're the God who, who desires so much to be with us that you would be willing to put on flesh. That you would empty yourself of your glory, put on flesh, become vulnerable, grow, develop, live, love, suffer, experience all the things we feel and ultimately succumb to death for us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here today that you would encourage their hearts. I pray for those who may not believe in you yet. And I ask, Father, that you would reveal yourself to them, not as God from us, not as God for us, but God with us. So we worship you tonight, Jesus, son of God and son of man. Behold the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. We worship you tonight. And Lord, we pray all these things in his name, in Jesus' name, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people agreed and said, amen.